Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. I want to introduce you to some people this morning that you've probably never heard of. Three of them, in fact. One is Robert Heft. In 1958, Ohio school, Ohio school student Robert Heft submitted a class project that would change our country forever. Heft's history teacher gave his class an open-ended assignment. Make a project illustrating your interest in American history. So Heft redesigned the 48-star American flag to include two additional stars for Alaska and Hawaii. Though the teacher was not impressed, he didn't get an A. President Dwight D. Eisenhower ultimately took an interest. It's where we get our current American flag. Claudette Colvin, nine months before Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat to a white passenger on a bus in Montgomery, Alabama, a then 15-year-old Claudette Colvin did the same. On March 2nd, 1955, Colvin was taking the bus home from high school when the driver ordered her to give up her seat. Colvin refused, saying she had paid her fare and that it was her constitutional right, but was then arrested by two police officers. Colvin later became the main witness in the federal lawsuit Browder v. Gale, which ended segregation on public transportation in Alabama. Rick Riscorla director of security for the financial services firm Morgan Stanley at the World Trade Center. Believing the Trade Center, where Morgan Stanley was headquartered, was a particularly vulnerable terrorist attack, Rascorla recommended that his company find a different space. Because of the lease obligations, they couldn't move out immediately, but Rascorla developed an emergency evacuation plan, which he required the Morgan Stanley employees to practice over and over. When September 11th happened, he and his colleagues were ready. Rascorla is credited with saving over 2,600 lives. Unfortunately, Rascorla died in the attacks of September 11th while leading evacuees from the South Tower. Some of history's greatest characters are people that you've probably never heard of. And I want you to know that today because some of you come in to this room today and you feel invisible. You feel unknown, you feel hidden, even in the midst of a crowd like this, you feel like no one sees you. You feel left out, you feel abandoned. As a matter of fact, you cannot even think of a time when you didn't feel all alone, when you didn't feel like everybody in the room was having a conversation and it excluded you. There's people in the room today and you've been saying for a long time, I'm just A, haven't you? I'm just a single mom. I'm just a stay-at-home mom. I'm just a dad that doesn't have a job. I'm just a whatever. And this morning, if you don't hear anything else I say, what I want you to hear this morning is that when Jesus looks at you, you are not hidden. He sees you. You are not alone. You are not another face in the crowd, but he sees you. Because so many of us need to be Reminded that we're seen, that we're valuable, that you don't always have to be the most charismatic, the most popular person in the room 
to matter. That you don't have to have the biggest bank account. That yes, your past, while it hurts some people and you made some mistakes, it doesn't disqualify, it's not your identity. You need to hear this morning that you are seen by an incredibly loving God. You may feel hidden, but he will never hide from you. This morning, I want to just give a simple message for the next few minutes. And this is my title, The Hidden Ones. The Hidden Ones. I'm going to be in John chapter 6. And just to kind of get there, kind of set it up a little bit. um, This is the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Probably even if you haven't been in church very much, you probably know this story or you have some recollection of it. It's the feeding of the 5,000. This is actually the only miracle that appears in all four gospels except for the resurrection. So we know it's an important story. And remember, there's four different gospels. They all tell things a little bit differently because if we witnessed something and we all came back and gave a report, we would all kind of see it a little differently, right? So there's four gospels. This story is including in every single one of them. Just before we dive in, Jesus has tried to escape. He's tired. He's trying to to get away from everybody, but yet this crowd pursues him. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. John 6, starting in verse 5, it says, Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming for him, coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. First thing I want you to see is that Jesus always stops for people. That Jesus always notices people. That even while Jesus is trying to escape from the crowd, he's tired, he's, he, he, was, he was fully God, but he was fully man. He's trying to escape from the crowd, but then the crowd begins to gather around him. But yet Jesus doesn't just stops, but he stops to meet their need. They aren't hidden in a crowd to him. Jesus stops to meet the needs, whether it's a crowd or whether it's an individual. And I will always mention that when it comes up in scripture because it comes up throughout the New Testament. Jesus is concerned with you and he stops to notice you when nobody else will. You're wanted in his eyes. And so he stops even in the midst of trying to get away to rest, the crowd presses on around him and he stops and he asks what seems like a silly question. After all, the verse it says that the verse itself says he already knew what he was going to do, right? So he turns to Philip, one of the disciples, and said, Hey, where are we going to buy bread for all these people? Now, some scholars believe the reason Jesus asked Philip this was because he was from a nearby town. And so basically he's like, Hey, Philip, where's the best place to get chicken wings around here? And because he's Jesus, Philip didn't say, do you have the Yelp app? No, he didn't. And so some scholars believe that's why he, he turned, turned to Philip to ask this question. But it seems like a silly question, right? Because Jesus already knew what he was going to do. Jesus had the power to perform the miracle, right? But Jesus seems to be interested in something a little different, right? Jesus isn't just interested in getting the job done. He wants to teach Philip something through it. How many of you love get the job done, Jesus? Like how many of you ever, ever call on that Jesus, right? Like Jesus, I don't need to know. I don't need to know how. I don't need to know why. I just need you to get the job done. Jesus, I know you love me. You're trying to walk me through something. You're trying to grow my faith, but my faith don't need growing right now, but that bill needs paid. Hello? How many of you need get the job done, Jesus? Jesus, I 
I, I understand, I understand that you're doing some things while I go through this, but I just need, I need you to get me out of here and over to here. Get the job done, Jesus, right? Jesus will never just get the job done because just getting the job done would rule out the relationship aspect of this whole thing for Jesus. Jesus doesn't just wanna get the job done. He's not just a transactional God. Jesus wants to teach you something. He wants to lead you through something. He wants to grow something inside of you that you can't get unless you go through this. If he just gets the job done, you'll miss it. He's trying to teach Philip and these disciples and even the crowd that day something, something different. And it seems like an odd question. And let's be honest, Philip should have known how to answer, right? Because he's already seen Jesus do some stuff at this point. And so Philip should have had a better answer, but yet Philip offers a response. And this is a face palm emoji kind of response. You ready? It says, Philip replied, even if we work for months, others translations say more than a year, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. So Philip counts the cost, right? Philip apparently is the, like the numbers guy. He's the one who, he probably gets all the, the calculator on his iPhone a lot. He's got it on his home screen. He's probably the one who still keeps the ledger in the back of their checkbook. Y'all know those weird, I mean, those people, y'all know this? Is he, does anybody still do that? Wow, I have offended half the crowd. Online, if you do it, just put a, a, a hand emoji. Don't put too many because I've offended enough people here. But this is, but this is probably Philip, right? He hasn't figured out online banking yet. This is Philip because he counts the cost and he says, Jesus, Jesus, we, if we even worked for over a year or if we can't work for months and, and do this, this is just simply not enough. He looks around, he's like, nowhere can we get this many chicken wings this fast, Jesus? And we can't, we couldn't pay for them if we could. Are you guilty of a not enough mindset with God? Like, where does, where does your mind default when it comes to what you need and when it comes to who God is? Does it default to not enough? Are you always so busy looking at the data that you forget to look through the lens of faith? So, so Philip says, Jesus, Jesus, it's, it, it ain't enough. Jesus, it's not enough money. We say it's not enough. It's not enough time. I don't have enough energy. Jesus, I'm not, I'm not important enough. I don't know enough people. Jesus, I don't have a college education. Jesus, it's, 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 not, it's, it's, not, it's not enough. But what if Jesus wanted to use a completely different approach and provide in even a bigger way through what you feel like is not enough? So Andrew, another disciple, chimes in, and he does a little better than Philip, but not a ton. Verse 8 says, Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. And here's where he messes up. But what good is it with this huge crowd? I, I, I sympathize with Andrew here because I'm really good at almost not putting my foot in my mouth like starting out really good and then screwing it up because I talked too long. You know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> Let's get back to the scriptures here. Okay. 
there's a young boy here with five, but what good is it with this huge crowd? And verse 10 says, tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. So even this story is, like I said, it's in all four gospels, but John uses a a specific word here for the word fish, asperia. And what, what it indicates is that these were two small salty fish that were often used for more of a, a relish than to be eaten. So there's these two sardines, right? Two sardines in a can. And then this boy has some barley. Barley was kind of the low man's grain, right? And usually barley was more fit for animals and was fed to animals more than it was fed, more than it was fed to to humans. But this little boy, while he doesn't have much, he offers what he has, right? Some of you, the reason why you feel hidden today is because you aren't even offering God what you already have. The time you have, the money you have, the abilities you have, the relationships you have, you are so busy feeling sorry for yourself or thinking with the it's not enough mindset or the just get it done Jesus mindset that you haven't even offered what you have. And so you haven't been able to walk in step with what he's doing because you're not willing to to give him anything. But Jesus doesn't need much, does he? I mean, he spoke. Genesis 1, he spoke and the world existed. Jesus doesn't mean need much. He doesn't need anything, in fact. But sometimes as we read this course of scripture, and if you talk with someone who's walked with Jesus long enough, they'll tell you that sometimes Jesus will withhold because he wants you participating in it with him. This past week, um, Melissa and I put ourselves through torture by, you can tell it's fresh. She laughed really hard. So we decided we were gonna kind of redo Riley's room. And uh, thank you, Stimmy. Uh, And (laughs) keeping it real, y'all. And uh, so like we we, we painted, we, and and, and I'm cheap too. So we painted, we, we ordered furniture we had to put together. Anyway, it's a whole big deal. But one evening we're putting Riley's bed together and Melissa is the direction reader and the calmer. So she reads the directions, helps me kind of figure it out. And then she's the one who says, Jonathan, it's gonna be okay. We're gonna get it done. We're gonna get it done. I'm the impatient one who just wants to start screwing stuff together because it looks like it should go and I'm ready to get it done. So anyway, so one, one evening we're putting this bed together and Riley was pretty good with staying at a distance for a little while, even though I asked if he wanted to help. But as time kind of went on and he got more impatient, he started coming in and then he decided he wanted to help and he wanted to be in the room while we put it together. Why? Because he wanted to be involved in the process, didn't he? Because he knew there was, well, he didn't know, but I know there are some things that he can learn along the way if he's participating in the process. That's why Jesus wants you to surrender what you have, but then sometimes he'll wait for your participation because he wants you involved in the process. Does that make sense? Because you learn in the process, because you get blessed in the process. And some of you feel hidden because you're not involved in the process. And that's where the relationship is built. So this little boy offers what he has. The story is known as the feeding of the 5,000. And most of you will 
know, or if you've been in church, you would know that this was 5,000 men. The women and children weren't counted. So this was 5,000 men that we know of. Some scholars believe that it could have been upwards of 15, even 20,000 people gathered around Jesus. And the reason why I tell you that is because it, it's, it's important because here's this little, this little boy. And I don't know how he got to, 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 to hear Jesus this day. Maybe his mom was, maybe his mom was sitting there or, or maybe he heard that Jesus was coming through. And even though mom and dad were at work, he kind of escaped with his lunch because he wanted to be there. However it is, this little boy who is obviously poor, obviously doesn't have a whole lot to give, wouldn't even be counted by the ushers. That little boy becomes the most important figure in this story besides Jesus. The one that, was, that is hidden in a crowd that's hidden by being young and not counted, that's been hidden his whole life because he's poor probably, that boy becomes a central character. Don't tell me that you are hidden and insignificant. Do you see how God sees you? Because some 2,000 years later, we're still talking about this story and it started with a boy who wouldn't have even been counted and Andrew even dismisses what he offered. Do you see how God sees you? Do you see how he can take your little, how he can take a face in the crowd, 15,000 people, but it's this, it's this one boy who maybe, maybe he saw Andrew walking by and he said he knew Andrew knew Jesus. So he's like, sir, sir. Andrew probably said, hush. Some, some of you have felt that, right? You felt like you had something to offer and somebody said, hush. Andrew probably said, hush. And the boy's like, sir, 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 I, I, there's a lot of people here. Andrew's like, what, what, do you, what, do you, what, do you, what do you want? What do you have? I've got, I've got these fish. I've got these loaves. Or, or may, maybe, maybe they asked the crowd, does anybody have anything to give? And there were some really important people in the crowd, some really wealthy people. But yet this one little boy in the back of the crowd stands up and says, the one who's hidden, the one who's not counted, and says, excuse me, I, I, I don't have much, but, but, but here's what I have. And Jesus says, yes, yes, Andrew, Andrew, bring, 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 bring that up here. Because Jesus notices the one hidden in the back right? And because the one hidden in the back, when they offer what little bit they have to Jesus, when they offer what little bit they can muster up, even if it's two stinky fish and some grain meant for animals, Jesus can do a whole lot when it's in his hands. And so Andrew dismisses the boy, but he also dismisses what the little boy has. Andrew basically says, this isn't even a start. I, I think if you're honest today, you have some things that you think aren't enough, but it's a start. Some of you are thinking, 
I, I could never tithe. I don't even have enough money to pay my bills. But, but, but you can start. It's a start. Some of you are thinking, this job is, it's a dead-end job. I never have a chance of going anywhere. But what can you do right then? How, 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 can, how can you start? How can you surrender what little bit you have? How can you surrender that job that you don't like to God and say, God, I don't know why I'm here. I hate every single day, but you must have something for me. How, it's not much, but, but, but it's a start. Some of you, you think, I just, I, I, I'm at home all day with the kids. I'm doing this, I'm, I'm doing this virtual school thing. I'm watching church online. I, I, I'm just at home with the kids all day. I don't have much to offer, but Jesus says, it's, it's a start. What are you doing with those kids? How are you helping instill values of, of, of mine into them? How, 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 how are you doing with what I've already given you? It's a start. It's really easy for us to get a not enough mindset, but it's a start. And so this little boy becomes the central figure in one of the biggest stories in scripture. He's hidden until Jesus sees it. He's hidden until Jesus takes what he has. Do you feel like you're in a hidden season? Because here's what I know. A hidden season is always a significant season. Are you waiting for someone to notice you at work? Are you waiting for that promotion? Are you waiting on him to finally come home? Are you waiting on something big to happen, the thing that you've always wanted to happen? Are you waiting on it to happen? A hidden season is, is a significant season. And that's why you have to get put it in the hands of Jesus. Because he's the one who will call you out and do so much more with it. So Jesus does what only he could. Verse 11 says, Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish. And they all ate. I love that part. They all ate as what? As much as they want to turn to the person beside you and say, I'm hungry. They all ate as much as they wanted. I love to eat. How awesome is that? It's like it's a buffet. But I, since it's passed out, it's more like bottomless, bottomless fish and chips, right? How many of y'all have ever, have y'all ever been to Chili's and gotten bottomless chips and salsa? Don't, 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 don't. Because like when I go in there now, I loosen my belt, you know? It's like, I, and, and, then I, and then I get like the grilled chicken to make myself feel better about all the chips and salsa. Anyway, that, that, that has nothing to do with this. But what I think it, I think it's important because it, it, it shows that, that Jesus doesn't want to just give you a little bit. He wants to fill you up. He wants to give you a lot. He wants you to have your feel. You may feel hidden now, but he wants to give you more. He wants to give you enough. And notice that the miracle of multiplication happens in the hands of Jesus. It says he gave thanks to God. And then he distributed it to the disciples who distributed it. Little becomes much in the hands of Jesus. The Bible says that God holds the world in his hand. that he's so big, he's so able, he's so capable that he holds the world in his hand. To, 
the world, you are hidden. You look like a little speck, don't you? But in the hands of Jesus, because you're in the world, you're in his hands. In the hands of Jesus, you become a miracle. You become so much more than a face in the crowd. You become so much more than just somebody who just has a couple of fish and some loaves or somebody who just doesn't have enough. You become so much more in the hands of Jesus. He can do with little what you could never do with a whole lot. So everyone eats, has their fill. And then verse 12 says, after everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. So this term basket is not like one of those styrofoam to-go containers, right? This, it's not one of those little tiny bags at the Mexican restaurant they give you with your chips when you get takeout, okay? This would have been like a laundry size basket. So, I mean, these are 12 large baskets. These are, these, are, these are big baskets. And I think the reason why that's important is because it tells me that Jesus never wastes things. That past that you wish would have never happened, he's not gonna waste it. That breakup that you just went through or you went through months ago, but it's still affecting everything you do God is not going to waste it. That pain that you've endured, God is not going to waste it because Jesus is not in the business of wasting people. And if you feel like you're a waste, I've got good news for you. Jesus always collects what people left o- leave over. Jesus always collects what people leave over. I didn't say that first service and that's good. Y'all should be clapping. Jesus always collects what people leave over. Because some of y'all have always been been looked over. You got stepped over as a child because of your brothers and sisters. You got stepped over in dating because you weren't the popular one. You got stepped over in your job because you don't kiss butt like everybody else does. And you've always been skipped over and skipped over and skipped over. But Jesus is waiting to collect the leftovers because you are not hidden in his sight. And I believe your miracle is about to happen. So they pick up, they pick up the leftovers And the very next verse says, when the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. So Jesus gets the credit. And there's a whole lot I could say about that. I think one of the the tragedies sometimes of the modern church is that we make ourselves the central focus of this story. Make no mistake about it. God is the creator and it is all about him. It's all about Jesus. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But at the end of the day, it is all about him. So if you're in the room this morning and you don't have that relationship with Jesus, maybe you have always felt left out and you needed somebody that could sustain you to add value to you. 
With every head bowed and every eye closed, just in the quietness of this moment, today could be your day to come out of the crowd and to come to Jesus. If you want to accept Christ this morning, just say this prayer in my heart. There's nothing magical about it. It's just a confession. Say, Jesus, I give up. I put myself in your hands. I've tried to do it by myself, but I just keep messing it up. So today, I believe you died. I believe you rose. And I believe I want to follow you as best as I can. And I know I'm not going to be perfect, but I just want meaning. I want to, I want to feel seen. In Jesus' name, amen. So a couple of weeks ago, I was done with this whole thing and but I came across something that I, I thought I had to mention John 6 35 is just a few verses down at the end of this chapter but I think it provides some some resolution that if I don't mention I think I've done you a disservice John 6 35 says then Jesus declared I am the bread of life. Did you catch it? Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So wrap your mind around this. The crowd that day, they needed bread. thought what they needed was their physical needs met. They, they, they thought what they wanted was just get it done, Jesus. They thought they needed some food for their, for their stomach. And so the supply, the bread was, was hidden. The resources were hidden in a little boy who wouldn't have been counted in the count. The bread was hidden in a little boy who was hidden but yet, if they would have looked around, the bread of life was hiding in plain sight. What they, what they really needed to be filled, not just filled their stomachs, but filled at a deeper level, filled at a place where bread and fish and the things of the world and popularity and having them notice and getting that job, what they, that stuff will never fill it. What they really needed filled was something deeper inside of them. They didn't just need bread. They needed the bread of life. Their source was there the whole time. And I wonder this morning, how many of you have been missing because you've been looking for the bread? You've been looking for it in a way that you can see it. And Jesus is saying, just look at me. I'm everything you wanted. I'm hiding in plain sight, but you've never surrendered to me. You think you have, and you have a relationship with me, but your daily life, you haven't surrendered to me. You've been trying to get it every other way. And it's been leaving you hungry again. So this morning, my question to you, how many of you feel hidden because you've never considered the value the source sees, the, the source gives you? Because you may feel hidden, but you, it's not hopeless. Right now, you may feel hidden, but
but your situation is not hopeless. So this morning, my challenge, I guess, and I can't solve all of your problems, all of your problems of rejection and being overlooked and not feeling like you have enough. I can't solve all of those problems. But maybe my challenge would best be summed up and come out of hiding. Come out of hiding. Come out of being feeling, come out of feeling left out. Come out of going through the motions. Come out of your isolation. Come, come out of feeling like you have no self-worth. Come, come out of your, your failure. Come out of your past. Come out of hiding. Come out because the Savior of the world, the bread of life, sees you and has something to give you. He sees you. My question to you this morning is, do you see Him? Let's stand and sing this together.
God, thank you for such a powerful message and a reminder, God, that we are never hidden from you. God, you love us, you created us, you care about us. God, thank you that you are in the small details and the big details of our lives. And God, the moments that we feel hidden, God, we're not. You're there, you see us. So we thank you for that. God, I pray over the rest of this day, God, that you would just continually remind us that we are found and significant in you. God, we pray over this week, God, that you would just continue to walk with us, remind us of your great love for us. We thank you, we love you. It's in Jesus' name, amen.